Say hey, welcome to Bonus Barrel. Saging. I missed my spot. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is BB 5.0. We're kicking off a new way of doing our show. We're now doing monthly themes. So each month, one of us picks an overarching theme or game, and then we have uh, topics throughout that month that kind of correspond with that theme. Uh, this one's is, ironically enough, is Shelby's this month, and she's not here this episode. But it's uh, gaming culture, so you know later on, and when we do our topic, it'll it'll touch on on that kind of thing. So be excited. Are you excited? Ooh. You excited, left? Yes, very Easy? excited. And uh, you know, I don't want to be too lazy about this, but if anyone has any fun ideas for themes out there, we could use. We'd be happy to consider them. So. Compiling the list, I already have four. Yeah, <laughs> four different months Ooh. planned for me. So. That's half a year. Oh, your no, your year year's right worth there of, for uh, you. For yeah, me. yeah, pretty much good. And I'll, I'll keep having more because I like to think about uh, – it's, it's fun. Like once – sometimes it's hard to come up with topics. But when you get a theme – when you come up with a theme, it's it's kind of easier and more fun to come up with topics that relate to that theme. So like, uh, yeah, I'm really excited. I got – the next month is mine. Uh, we'll have a guest that month. And then, and then in Halloween, I'm doing one too. So And then Lefts is in September? Yep. Yeah. Get and ready then, for September, everybody. Ooh, it's going to be great. Uh, yeah, anyways, so that's the future. Be excited. Uh, give us, uh, I mean, you don't have to be excited, but you should. Um, oh, we got a message from Cobb about violence in video games. Um, I, if you'd like, I will now play the message for you. You guys ready? Let's hear it, Cobb. Yo, 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 this is Cobb. I'm calling in because I have some shit to say about y'all's topic yo i say that in quotes look i don't even listen to your your stupid show but my assistants they have to screen it to make sure that you guys don't slander me in any any some way yo and you guys mentioned my name that triggered me so here i am look i have a kid he's two years old and he plays all the classics halos call of duty medal of honor mortal kombat x killer instinct league of legends and guess what He's fine, yo. He was in a fight the other day, and he was all, get over here, and used a jumping rope to pull another kid over, and then he totally raffle stomped him. Dad was so proud, I let him knock back a beer. I'm the best parent, I have the best kids, and my kids can play all the great games. Peace. And, uh, well, that's, um, that's what Cobb has to say about it. Yeah, I, that was, uh, what we expected, I, I suppose. He's, he doesn't... I, I wasn't expecting Cobb being a dad. Well, I mean, Cobb, Cobb, I think Cobb's the father of many pe- of many children, probably, that he doesn't know about. <laughs> that just be, that must just be the one that stuck around, I guess. But, I don't know, Cobb, I mean, I, I guess it's not uh, like a, a leap to say Cobb's just a bad person, probably. I, I, oh, that's, that's a... You don't think... Quite the leap. Oh, yeah. Well, he's encouraging I, I, I his two-year-old to fight people. That seems well, kind of bad. He, so. It sounds like he didn't encourage it so much. He didn't condemn it. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. But. I mean... That's a pretty, uh, you know, experienced two-year-old. Like, he's fighting people and playing League of Legends. That's yeah. a fairly complex game. And You know, you I, know heard, so. I heard the name of the child is Colonel. Colonel? <laughs> yeah, Colonel Cobb. Well, wait, wait, wait. Is Cobb's last, his last name? Uh, I think it's Cobb Cobb and <laughs> Colonel Cobb. Cobb. Cobb, Cobb, and Colonel Cobb. <laughs> He's a really weird guy, that Cobb. Yeah. Um, so this actually, since we're on the topic of addressing last week's, I'm sure you all have lots to say, and I too have lots to say about, uh, and I'm going to start because I wrote my notes down. Um, we we have, there's forums in the CC website, which is freaking awesome. One of us should be uploading uh, our episode every week, and at least all of us forget to do that. Um, I like the forums. I just, I just, and I, now that I have the CC app, I actually check them more often, but I'm just, I don't super, it's not super like interactive online, I guess. I just, I usually just forget. I mean, I'm, I'm getting better <laughs> using Twitter. It's like the best I can do. Um, but, uh, I think at, at Latino Lawyer, he started the, the thread for 
our episode. So he did our job thank for you. us. So thank you. Uh, because he wanted to talk about it. Because I guess this violence in video game, I kind of unsurprisingly... <laughs> well, actually, violence in video game really wasn't the big deal about no, last it episode. Wasn't. I, I it really that wasn't. The, like, it was mentioned, but really the biggest thing was... Uh, um, <laughs> the pre-order thing, the CC counter to uh, Mighty Q Dog that Seiji had um, brought up during the intro of the episode, and so he's still putting together his response. Um, but we did get some stuff from. Maybe I should bring it up actually, and, and just mention some of the things we got because I do have the episode here. Pam uh, and a Latino lawyer both had some things to say. Uh, a Latino lawyer was a um, pro pre-orders. Uh, so he's on team pre-order. I guess we have teams now. Um, Pam uh, thinks that uh, she has Amazon Prime, which I also do, which does make pre-orders quite worthwhile because you, you do get to save quite a bit of money off of them. And uh, she does think that the pre-order culture has gotten out of control. Uh, she, one thing she brought up that I liked is saying, seeing pre-order now after every game intro at E3, even when the games were months out, so likely haven't even gone gold yet, and then hearing people clap at that was strange. Don't clap, they aren't giving you anything. I, I very much enjoyed, <laughs> enjoyed that. I enjoyed the sass, because I, I, I agree. Uh, and she has a lot more to say about that, and you guys should check out the forum. Same with, with uh, a Latino lawyer. And I haven't heard Mighty Q Dog's response yet. Looking forward to it. But I have a response. So... Um, I'm going to ignore the fact that digital gaming has made pre-ordering pretty much pointless if you do not care about physical games. Because I mean, at that point, what are you pre-ordering? You just, you're just, it's digital. You don't have to pre-order anything. There's no incentive to pre-order. You just buy it when you feel like it. Yeah, digital games aren't going to run out, right? Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, which is a, it's a point in a lot of ways to digital games. Unless, unless you're Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, sorry. There was a time when there was no digital option. And uncertainty with the stock. Some games would have... Uh, there was uncertainty with stocks that game stores would have. That's a really weird sentence. Uh, let me rephrase it differently. When I was younger, the there was uncertainty with which games would be stocked and how many uh, at various game stores. So, for example, a game shop may not think that X game is going to do well, so they would stock very few or none at all. And if you didn't pre-order it or make it known you wanted it or got there on time, you had a strong chance of not getting it. And I remember when I was young, my first... A summer job afforded me enough to buy my first PS1 game, and I really wanted to buy Chrono Cross, but it was sold out everywhere. I wound up getting Legend of Dragoon instead, and then eventually I got Chrono Cross later, but it was still a frustrating experience. Um, so my point is, for someone like me who has a lot of anxiety, this is one less thing for me to worry about. If I'm anticipating a game, uh, this is one less thing f to, to stress me out, because I'll be comfortable knowing I can, I'm going to get it when I want it. Um, like In the end, video games are important to me but I, I understand the grand scheme of things having to wait a few months for a game isn't a, a real problem but it's still a thing that bothers me uh if i want to play something when it comes out and when my friends are playing it i want it so you know being able to get have it pre-ordered means i'm going to get it when my other friends do and another example is i, I pre-ordered the switch and it was sold out in fucking no time uh so i went in and got my switch i didn't have to worry about it i i'm happy i got it that day and and that stress of not getting it is gone it also helps protect against the scalpers uh in some ways who will buy low stocks and sell high you know especially the stores that will actually limit the pre-orders to one per customer helps kind of negate some of that i mean there is also the, the fact that scalpers will indeed pre-order too i mean that's a different issue but if they if they limit the amount of pre-orders that helps negate some of that um but also ensures that you ideally get it. And yes, yeah, so there are negatives to pre-orders. Uh, I'm absolutely sure there are. Uh, but in my mind, they're more helpful than not. And uh, just a few other things from the from the forums, and you guys can jump in. Uh, a Latino lawyer said uh, mentioned ARMS, um, more specifically my, my view on ARMS and possibly less about the lack of character characters. Or actually, me, me and she, uh, Shelby. Anyways, he mentioned that the mixing and matching of the ARMS does bring a lot of variety. Uh, which I do agree. I'm glad he brought that up because I, I agree with that. And um, oh yeah, Pam points out about companies wishing to stop any early reviews so that people won't be tempted to not pre-order is a fair point, and I definitely can see that as a negative. And um, I do not like the pre-order game content, so I don't like when they when they include get this weapon in this game. Uh, I, I want everything in the game to be equal to everybody in the game, uh, and I think this kind of thing could be a topic itself. However. I like pre-order physical stuff, uh, you know, like a stylus, a card, pins, etc. I like them. They make me happy. And uh, also, one last thing. I'm not sure if we talked about kickstarting and crowdfunding, 
but that's the ultimate pre-order fuck <laughs> oh well I don't, I don't have a whole lot um you know uh, everything is great points that that everyone's brought up and i i want to thank uh everyone for for discussing this on the forums it was really cool to read um and uh you know one one thing that kind of sticks out to me is that you know mighty q dog pointed out that you know that he was kind of surprised that we didn't have anything negative to really say about pre-orders and you know i don't i i yeah like like you kind of pointed out there are some negative things things and you know like like everything there's the good and the bad but i i think i think that we're on a consensus because most of us are, are i think we're we were all uh fairly pro uh pre-order so i i think i think that we're just pretty much at the stance that the good outweighs the bad in in this case um so that, that's kind of why none of us said anything extremely negative because we think overall pre-ordering is more of a positive thing than a negative thing and i think some of the negative things can be easily worked out of the pre-ordering system um kind of like you said how you know people could pre-order multiple copies in order to scalp one of them um, at a at a greater price, but you know if you limit your pre-orders, that's not something that can be done. So I think I think there's a lot of things that that distributors can do um, to prevent people from you know exploiting the bad uh, out of pre-orders, and uh, I, I just think overall it's a good thing. That's um, all. I need to mention something that you said that really I want to add to our topic this week, and I think Seiji and maybe you two left can talk about this, but. The pre-order culture. I think there is a culture around pre-ordering. Uh, yeah, games. yeah. And, I, doubt, and I'm going to make yeah. a note of that so we can come back to that during uh, our topic, even though our, it'll kind of split the topic a little bit. Unless you guys want to... Anyways, we'll come back to that. Yeah. So, Seiji, what did you have to say about the posts? No, I just want to thank everyone uh, that participated in that thread. Uh, it To me, it's quite long. Uh, there's a lot of discussion in there and really, it's really interesting. Uh, Pam does mention uh, some points that she finds has gotten out of control in her own words. Um, I, I'm reading them and, and it's really it's pretty respectable, but I don't find any of those particularly damaging to the industry itself. Uh, yes, bad practices, I agree. Uh, but in the next post, Mighty Q Dog does mention that, that he thinks that pre-ordering is harmful to consumers, whether you pre-order or not. And I think he's going to he elaborate more in yeah. one of his videos. Yeah. So I'm really interested in you know in in getting the like the full but because it's quite a, quite unfair right because I think most of us are pro pre order I I would say or even mildly pro pre order but we don't get to see the other side and we get to talk and talk about it if you're in the industry uh, you're desperate right even if your game <laughs> is not there because game game development is so hard and it's so slow and competitive. And you get to a point where you're so desperate to know if what you've been working on for years, other people find it interesting and if it's going to sell because probably your job hangs on that. So I don't know. A lot of things are understandable. I don't find anything particularly wrong. Everything can be true in, in both sides or opinions. Um, and there are aspects of it that we live on a day-to-day basis. So maybe that's why we think that the way we think. Uh, cool. All right. Well, uh, on a different topic then. I beat Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Woo! Was that the the new one? The PS4 one? Or? Uh, so I got the PS4 Kingdom Hearts collection, uh, which includes both 1.5 and 2.5. So I'm one disc, which is really awesome. That's pretty much every game except two. Uh, and Birth by Sleep chronologically is the first, well, not counting the mobile game that we didn't get, is the first uh, Kingdom Hearts game. And, and basically it's three different games in one. Uh, you play through the three different stories, and I beat. Th- I actually surprisingly beat all of them because they're all different enough that it didn't bother me. Uh, and then there's another game called Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep uh, Point Two, I think, and it takes place after that directly. It's on a. It's on the other Kingdom Hearts PS4 game, which I think uses the same engine as as the uh, Kingdom Hearts Three and plays the same way, and it's fucking fun. Uh, so I beat that, and then I started Kingdom Hearts One uh, over again, but I'm playing it on the PS4 version. And yeah, the game's great. It's it's cleaner with the HD. And because that'll be a month coming up sometime soon, y'all's going to get to play Kingdom Hearts as well. So, the, well, I mean, Left has, but uh, Shelby and, and Seiji, I don't think, have. Seiji so definitely I, has not. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I here Shelby didn't. Um, I don't know. I, that's not confirmed. I, I th- okay. think she didn't play it, but she might have. 
I, just, I don't know. Here, here's the thing with Kingdom Hearts, and I've complained about this long time ago, and it's the naming convention for their games. Oh, yeah, they're terrible. It, it is terribly confusing, and quite frankly, it puts me off from playing the whole series. Because because I like to get into the game, and, you know, whether whether one is, is the first one or they do a prequel later on, whatever, I, I, can, I can get behind that and do it in the order of release. Um, chronologically, game-wise, doesn't matter, as long as I can understand where we're at here. But... It's so confusing and it doesn't make a whole lot of fucking sense to an outsider. Um, so the whole thing is, is just, just weird and if, if it makes me avoid Kingdom Heart games because I just don't know what is what. Okay. So that's a great point and I, and I agree and I would have agreed more strongly prior to the recent PS4 releases. So if you've never played any Kingdom Hearts game, it's a pretty simple solution. You play Kingdom Hearts 1. There's, you don't start anywhere else. This is where you start. You play the first game and then you can branch off from there if you, if you like. Uh, you can go to Kingdom Hearts 1 and then play Kingdom Hearts 2 and you're probably fine, um, which is the case for me. And then I played some of the spinoffs and now I'm actually going through the series properly. Uh, naming conventions suck. The fact that you have to find a guide to play them in the proper order is annoying. Exactly. exactly but that yeah. shouldn't prevent you from starting it. That might prevent you from from spreading out. But the first Kingdom Hearts stands alone just fine and you don't need yeah, any help with yeah. that. But like I've played that one. Um, I haven't played any other one. Well, I played a little bit of two. I played a little bit of two, but not, not much. Um, so that's what I mean. So like once I play two, then what do I go after? Well, that? I'll break it down easy for you. So two things. First of all, PS by the PS, not telling you to actually do it, but by the PS4 one, it gives you all of the games that you need to play. Um, so the only ones I think that are necessary or not necessary, but will give you the, or the most bang for your buck is play birth by sleep, play kingdom hearts one, play uh, kingdom hearts two, and then play dream drop distance, which is the uh, 3ds one, which is also available on the second uh, kingdom hearts PS4 game. You play those ones. And you're more or less going to be fine. You're not going to miss out you, too much. You pretty much have the whole kit and caboodle with those yes. four games. Like and uh, what what? Uh, how come? How come is like one, two, and then there's a bunch of like a million games, and then, <laughs> and then like so, is it like Street Fighter? Like <laughs> there are stories in the middle, or what's going yeah, on? Yeah. So or? basically, uh, they're they're gap filler. Um, so like this time between Kingdom Hearts one and two, there is I think two games that are in between it that kind of deal with some of the other characters. So it's it'd be like it's like calling them, you know, they're just in between games, one point five or something. The uh, it's, it's funny though because there's a few of them, and it's interesting enough too that that the first appearance in Cloud on the Nintendo system was I'm pretty sure the Kingdom Hearts Game Boy Advance version, which is called Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, actually had Cloud in that game, which is pretty funny. Anyways, um, the the disc that has all, the whole all the Kingdom Hearts game, two of the games actually aren't even the full games. Instead, they're just remastered movies based on the cinematics again because there's no point in playing them other than just getting the story so they just skip all that so they're kind of like uh you can just watch them which is what i'm going to do for the for the, for the other two that i'm that i missed i mean you could track the games down and play them if you wanted to as well but i guess they, they're they're not as good as the other ones so they in, in the big discs they just made them the, just the story stuff so it's interesting uh but yeah, I was kind of nervous going into it, thinking I, I wouldn't get into it or it would be too convoluted, but I really enjoyed Birth by Sleep, and it was a lot of fun, and just on its own, really. And you get a little bit more for it if you've played Kingdom Hearts 1, so I'd recommend that first, but Birth by Sleep is just a fun game. Bam. That's my, my plug. Anyways, Lef, if you're interested to play, let me know, because it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I have another thing. Uh, I, have a, I have a complaint. Go ahead and complain. All right. I beat Fire Emblem Echoes last night. Okay. Great game. Not complaining that's, about that. That's that's like a remake of an old yes, one, right? Yes, it's a remake of, of, I think, the second Fire Emblem game that we never got here. It's called, so Fire Emblem Echoes uh, has a subtitle, Shadows of Valentia. Right, wait, wait, this is Fire Emblem, yeah, Fire Emblem Echoes, Shadows of Valentia. Anyways, so I beat it last night. It was fun. Um, there's one character in this game. So this is going to contain some very minor story, spoilers to one character. But there's a character in this game. Her name is Faye, and holy shit, she might be the creepiest video game character I've ever seen. Not like a Tharja? not in like a cool kind of hot way like <laughs> Tharja is, but like she's so she continuously pines for the main character. She's like she would be like if it was a dude, it would be even worse. I think the perception would be even worse because it would be this, this creepy guy who's constantly complaining about being friend zone and uh, follow and stalks the main character. So listen, she continuously pines for the main character Alm, who is not only basically in love with the heroine of the game Celica, but even flat out tells her that he's not interested in, despite giving her a ton of signs. But that would be bad enough. So, but but here are some of the awesome lines 
I've, I've, cho I've got from some of the support conversations. In her first conversation, she promises to kill all the enemies just for him, and she says she'll do anything for him. Uh, then she says, quote, things are utterly fantastic. Aren't you going to ask me why? And then he's like, what? He's like, remember when you sat next to me at dinner? You gave me this leftover heel of bread you didn't want. And he's like, oh, you were excited about bread. And she's like, no, silly. You touched my hand. I was up all night thinking about it. Oh, but don't worry. I drank a bunch of tea, so I'm ready to kill in your name. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> uh, then she's like, one of the last words is like, our journey will be over soon, won't it? And because of that, there's something I need to tell you. There's a dream I have. So this is one of those, <laughs> this is one of those, not really a dream, but I just want to test the waters. So here's a quote unquote dream I had. That's how I'm interpreting it. Uh, or more of a wish, I suppose. Well, I guess she validated that. But I dream that after the war is over, you'll return with me to Ram Village. We'll have our little garden. We'll hunt our food and we'll never have to fight another battle for as long as we live. Pretty good dream, don't you think? And he's like, uh, yeah, that's nice. And it's funny because when, when the conversation starts, she's like, hi, Alm. He's like, hi. And it's like, you can tell he's not into this. This this crazy girl yeah, again. Yeah, it's great. And she's all, so do you think it'll come true? And then he totally shuts her down. He says he's not into her. He thanks her. He's super nice. Way more than she deserves. Uh, so that's that's the last support conversation. But then at the end of the game, you get like a, a what happened to each of the characters. So hers is, she returned to her village and went back to her old life, but was unable to forget Alm. Uh, men were f men or a man were fine with that, and they enthusiastically pursued her anyways. But she would unexpectedly disappear sometimes, worrying her family. <laughs> so, she, so, so, so she was still. It says in there that she was still in love with the king. The suitor didn't mind that she was pining for the king, but would get worried because well, they, he's the she king. Would, of course, he yeah. Would. Well, exactly. And but they would get worried because she would just disappear for days. <laughs> so she like what? Did she go to the castle and just stand in front of the gate and be like groan a little bit? Oh. <laughs> Oh my god, what a creepy creep bag creep character. Anyways, what a it was just fucking funny just to see like Megan was like, I fucking hate this character so much. She's so pathetic. Uh and she is however she, the she sounds is, entertaining. She, well, it's funny. She's a shitty character, but as a unit, she's really good. So you kinda have you don't have to, but it's good to use her in battle. So I wound up using her the entire game. <laughs> uh great. But it, it was it was fun. Fun game. I just wanted to complain a little bit about a stupid character. If you like now, Faye, let me know. Just as a question, mm -hmm. did you do you think that this game was better than uh, Fates? No. Wait, Fates. Yes. Uh, I liked it more than Fates. It doesn't have... So this is older Not as good as Awakening. No, God, no. But this doesn't have marrying. It doesn't have kids. And I thought that I thought that would be more noticeable for me, actually, but it really wasn't. And you don't make your own avatar character. You play through as the, as the hero and heroine. You kind of share two different armies. This is actually quite cool, actually. Um, but it's more story-based and, and a little more heavy character-focused because you're not having to fit in that kind of blank slate character. Yeah, exactly. But uh, Fate is still better. But this was really good. and I Or not Fate, sorry. Uh, Awakening. Awakening was still better. But this was more enjoyable for me than Fates. And it doesn't yeah, overstay its welcome, either. It's like 28 yeah, well, hours. That, that was my problem with, with Fates, is that, you know, there's a lot of it that dragged on. Um, and I love the Fire Emblem series. Um, so I'm, I, I haven't tried this one. It's so easier than the other Fire Emblems, I would say. Oh, it's a really, little bit they easier. Don't, they don't have permit deaths in it. They, they the do, but I don't choose it. Yeah, yeah I, never, I will never choose I'm, that. I'm pretty sure they, they used to not give you the options. They so. did not, yeah. Yeah, but fun. Uh, oh, and one other thing I was going to mention. Jeez, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I started a game last night called Ever Oasis that just came out for 3DS, and I bought it because the reviews for it are really, really good, and they kept making comparisons to uh, Secret of Mana, which uh, I was like, okay, this should be fun. And when I was reading about it, it sounded to me a lot like Fantasy Life, which is another great 3DS game, so Megan bought it as well. And uh, it has Egyptian themes, and you're kind of like this, this being known as a seedling, and it, the world is covered in deserts, and so you make an oasis... And in that oasis, you, you basically try to gather – it's a town builder in a lot of ways. So you're, like, creating shops and trying to attract people in. But the, the happier your town is, the stronger your character is. So when you're out, like, uh, exploring and, 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 you know, doing a lot of stuff and doing quests for people and fighting monsters and shit, your strength is actually a little bit dictated by – yeah, by your happiness level. Anyways, it's a really fun game. Ever Oasis seems pretty cool. The Secret of Mana thing made me think of you, Lef. Uh, oh, I missed maybe, it. Maybe Buddha. check it out. Oh. Oh, oh, yeah. So the reviews, a lot of the reviews, it's been getting like either anywhere between seven and nine on average. I would say higher, probably in the high 80s, maybe. Um, 
And a lot of the reviews keep comparing it to Secret of Mana. And to me, it play it, it felt more similar to um, Fantasy Life, which is a, a level five game, very fun. And yeah, so you basically you play as a seedling. You're trying to you're trying to raise an oasis. In the oasis, you you build shops and shut and shit and try to attract citizens. Uh, and then that affects your strength in combat and outside of battle and exploration. You get party members and stuff. It's really cool. That sounds interesting. Yeah, you'll check it out. Right, ever oasis? Yeah. For uh, who's it developed by? It's a really great question. It is nobody asked me it, but I'm asking it myself. I think it's Nintendo. I think it yes. is. Damn, it's Nintendo. Can't go wrong. I think it's second party. Oh, okay. Well, it doesn't say who the second party developer is on here. It's made by Grezzo. Oh, I don't know. And what... Grezzo are the guys who made the Ocarina and Majora's uh, Mask remasters. You say Grezzo? Yeah. Uh, Grezzo. Oh, so like where, where's, Han, where's Hansel? Z-Z-O. Where's <laughs> huh? Where's Hansel? Because it sounds like Gretel. <laughs> uh, right. So you were saying about the NES Mini? Yeah. Mm. What do you guys think? I hate it. And by hate it, I mean just that I won't get one. See, well, well, the thing, the thing that's great about it is that, you know, I'm not too enticed with it because I have most yeah, of the too. games already that they're, they're advertising for it. Um, so it's not like I'm like, oh, I get to play these games that I, I you know, that I already have. Oh, big deal. Um, so w- what's exciting <laughs> is, is the Star Fox 2. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that, so the NES Mini was cool, but, you know, I guess, I guess with the NES Mini as well, not, NESs are a little more uncommon than a, than an SNES, I suppose, as are the games. Well, some of the games. Um, so I guess I guess just having that out with the basics is fine. Um, but if they would have just released, you know, an SNES Mini without Star Fox Two, you know, I don't think anyone would have really cared that much because, like, hey, these games are not that hard to find, with the exception of like Earthbound and yeah. Mega Man X, I suppose. Actually, a lot um, of those games but- are quite expensive. Yeah, some some of them are. Um, so it, it's it's kind of cool that they're really giving you a reason because even even if you're like, hey, I'm just gonna play these on ROMs. Why do I need to buy an SNES Mini that way? So with the Star Fox Two though, it gives you a really really good yeah, reason you to want to go through and get it. Yeah, I guess so. But that's but a lot more. Never aside. you've never played it with a controller before. Well, Super Nintendo controller. I mean, you can pl- get the USB Super Nintendo controllers and just play well, it. Okay, fine. If you if you really <laughs> want to go above and beyond, you can play it. You can pay five dollars <laughs> for the for the controller and then download it above and beyond. So much easier than that's, camping out for a mini. <laughs> that's still more work. No, it's no, not. it's that's, not. That's more work. No, it's not. It's way less work. No, no, you're crazy. <laughs> Oh god. Uh yeah, I I really want I it. would say there's also a, a good reason to get the SNES Mini is because it gives the opportunity to to less gaming collector involved person. It seems to me like there there's this this level of configuration that you have to go through and you have to be quite knowledgeable and also you have to have the actual cartridges which if you think about it to us as gamers having something that is 20 25 years old is no big deal. But think about other stuff, other types of technologies that you keep on your house, right? And it's not quite common. I don't think a lot of people will have, like, old consoles laying around as, as we do. So having that option for for those people is really interesting. The other thing is, with the release of the Super Nintendo Mini or Classic Edition, we got, like, an actual physical release of Star Fox 2. Would you guys agree on that? I mean, so, kind of. It's, it's technically. I mean, I would push. Yeah, I'll say it's a physical release. It's right? mo- mostly, yeah. It's a thing that has. It's a physical thing that has the game in it, and it's, that's the only thing that has it officially. So it's the only it's, physical way to play the game, other than repro cards, of course. Yeah, yeah. No, but, no, uh, but those even, are unofficial, e- though. E- even those, those are incomplete versions of the game. The, the complete version of the game has never been released. See, Rob, suck it. You can't just go yeah, and buy a controller I, you, and download five a minutes, ROM. Five minutes after it's out, that will be ripped and put online. <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I was listening to a video from a guy from YouTube called uh, Chi Guy, I think he's called. And he was making a really good point on why the NES Mini wasn't a wildly available product. And I think I find myself agreeing with him. And his basic point was that Nintendo never meant to make money out of that console. And they just wanted to create buzz around their name and their brand. Or I'll put it like this. One of one of the things that creates a more buzz is kind of annoying people because an, that, that sentiment of annoyment is more viral than anything else. 
yeah, it's, I sort of agree. But in this case, you see, there's there's a little bit more, right? Because Star Fox 2, it's something that I, I think you have to give more people the opportunity to get. And I hope that they make more of the SNES Mini. And I, I've, I, I, I think that both Lef and I, like whenever the NES Mini was announced, both of us, we said that we will be more interested in, in this product, <laughs> right, Lef? Oh, definitely, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, we're all, yeah. We're missing something, too, though. I really wish Shelby was here for this because we had her go through the list of games to see what she played or knew about. And unfortunately, we don't have her here for that one. We may have to oh, come that. back to we it. We do that next week. Next time and go through the list and see. Because that was like one of our early episodes. That was like, like her first or second BB appearance when we when we grilled her on those games. I was asking people on Twitter, if you could and you, if you had the power to, to choose like one, just one more game, one more Super Nintendo title to put in the SNES Mini, what would that be? Oh, I already have, yeah. I have, I have mine. So I'll just go right now. Uh, Demon's Crest uh, by Capcom. Nice. fantastic game um I, it's not one of these huge super nintendo hits although it really should be um i, I was actually thinking about this the other day Tiji. have you played it um no okay you should play it um at least get an emulator and play it it's 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 basically a continuation of uh, Ghost and Goblins, but you play yeah. as the demon Firecrest, um, and you play through the demon world and things like that, and there's six different endings to go through, a hundred different upgrades. It's an amazing platformer. Um, I think it's one of the biggest sleeper hits on the Super Nintendo is Demon's Crest, so I would, I would want to add that on there. Even though it may not be the most popular choice, I think a lot of people would appreciate the game a lot, so I think, I think that would be the best one to add. Oh, uh, Demon's Crest. Harvey's Humongous Adventure, for sure. I mean, a game, a classic <laughs> game, one of the best platformers of our time. Uh, no. Yeah, no. Uh, so I'm looking at my, I'm looking at some of the games. I, I can't pick. I will, I will sell on one, but I'll mention a few that I, I feel should be on there. Act Razor would be nice to see. Uh, Earthworm Jim. I, th- I think that's not on there, right? Nope. That would have been but a that, good one. That, 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 that doesn't count. Why? I don't think because that's that's a multi plat. Uh okay, that's the rule then. Well, I like I guess not, but to Kirby, me that seems cheating. Kirby's Avalanche would be kind of cool. Uh, what about um, Hook or Goof Troop? I said that jokingly, <laughs> but those are all both great games. And, Goof Troop was a really good game, but yeah, it was. But no, if I had to choose one, I'd probably say Super R Type. It's it's missing a shoot 'em up, or at least the one I want on there. <laughs> was your pick final pick? My final pick is Super R Type. Super R type. Yeah, All I'm right. a big. I love. I love the um, series. I'm gonna just. I want to quickly mention the responses I got from Twitter from this same question. Uh, Retro nonsense. He said. Well, he said, <laughs> final fight, maybe Ken Griffey Jr. baseball, and <laughs> oh. then. Oh, but then yeah. he Keep tweeted that again. <laughs> then, he, then he tweeted again. And he said, "Yeah, Gradius three oh, needs a shooter." There, yeah. So I think that's his final final take. I think he would take our type. I think he would be okay. If we we agreed on our type. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, P2, he said, The Twisted Tales of Spank. Oh, of course, by Mc McFang. <laughs> okay, I don't know. Okay, so I never heard about, about this game, but okay. He that's... always brings that. We got to play that for a game for one of the months. It sounds okay. familiar. He talks but... it up all the time. That Write it down, Seiji. That game, all right. it's coming back. Okay. Load it. Load it in memory. <laughs> good, good. Um, uh, Diego Avila. He says <laughs> Turtles in Time yeah. or Gradius 3. Turtles in Time is a great pick. I'm surprised it wasn't on there, too. Yeah, tur- yeah that's actually kind of a surprising non-pick. But I think it's because it's a, maybe like a multi-plat. Was I think it? they're trying to avoid that. I don't think it was that. a multi-plat. It, it's well, on our list of best games of all time. Um, I mean, Final Fantasy III is a multi-plat for sure. So you're, yeah, you're but, already lost. but it was original nope, release, though. You can get that anywhere, anytime. It doesn't even need to be on there. But it's, it's, it's original. F7 should be on there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Uh, P1, yeah, go ahead. P1 pick Soul Blazer or SimCity. Cool, so good choice. I don't know which one is his final pick, but those are the ones he mentioned. And a friend of mine, uh, Parra, Earthworm Jim, nice. Chrono Trigger. Yeah, Chrono Trigger is one of the popular picks. Wait, Chrono Trigger's not on there? I, th- I thought, I thought I Chrono Trigger was on there. Yeah. That's disgusting. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, zombies ate my neighbors. Oh, Mortal good choice. Uh, good NBA one, yeah. Jam. Also, I don't know which one choice. is his final pick. Power and respectable. And my pick. 
Oh, here it I, comes. If I have to pick one, I would actually cheat. Oh, here we go. And I would pick uh, Super Mario All-Stars. No, but they, uh, but they have Mario World on there already. You'd have to replace Mario World with All-Stars. No, no, no. I, I, would, I, I would actually add Super Mario All-Stars. Because Super Mario World a, plus All-Stars is like all of them in one. So you don't. So then you wouldn't even need. You could you could free up a slot by replacing Super Mario World with Super Mario World and Super Mario All Stars. I mean, Super Mario World is not an All Stars. It is in the second version. There's a Super, yeah, Mar- but there's a Super Mario World plus Super Mario All Stars for SNES. You can get them on one on yeah, one card. There, but, there but, is. But that is a different title, isn't it? I think it's Super Mario World and Super Mario All Stars. I think is what it's called. But it's like just one. It's one Super Nintendo game that you can get. Yeah, that's a rare thing. It right? is rare. I I don't have yeah. it. I, I want it, but I don't have it. It's like a two hundred dollar well, card or something. Like that, sure, not cheap. If, if I mean, if it's picking one, right, yeah. or replacing one, well, that that'll be my option then. Okay. If it could be either adding all stars <laughs> or replacing world with world plus all stars. There we go. That is that is such a sagey pick. Yeah. I want to play the old NES games on the SNES. I feel it's Man, what I would have tried to do. It's amazing. <laughs> It, no, it's a good. It's a good pick. It's a cheat. It's it, it, it really is a good pick, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little cheating, underhanded. Sagey. But I, I, I just want to say it's kind of a travesty that Chrono Trigger is just not on this yeah, list. I thought disgusting. it was, um, but I, I double checked and it's, it's not. So that's. Uh, well, I kind of want to place it. put that on it, but uh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay strong on Demon's Crest. I would take Chrono Trigger FF3. That's for damn sure. I think I would too. It's just, it's just such a good it's game. It's so good. It, it is an amazing game. Oh, I guess you wanted to mention FF15 mobile uh, town builder game of war game. That's all you need to say about it. Wait, 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 Rob. <laughs> yeah. CC counter. What, what? What? Did I miss? What's the CC counter? It's a thing where we mention what P1 and P2 said on CC Weekly they, and then we counter. What did they say this week? Well, this week they talked about voice acting and why it matters. Okay. And then P1 went on a long rant about... Original voice actor for uh, Leon S. Kennedy from Resident Evil because they're making a Resident Evil 2 remake. Oh, yeah. And then he got a little wrong and he countered himself. <laughs> but <laughs> like, Well, let me tell you something right now. Uh, Ever Oasis has no voice acting uh-huh. and it's noticeable. It doesn't break the game for me in any way. Uh, it's still enjoying it. But it's a thing that I noted while playing. I was like, oh, it's weird. There's, not even for like little cutscenes. There's no voice acting. It feels, it just feels, it's not that so much that it's worse. It just feels like something's missing. And I think anytime a game has any, any, any sort of story, I, I think nowadays the expectation is that there's some voice acting. So uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't have, the game doesn't have to have voice acting to be good. I mean, I think that's pretty much proven from what, 40 years of game history. But uh, it's just an expectation nowadays that you have, that people have, unless a game really doesn't need it. Pokemon doesn't really need it, um, although I wouldn't mind having it. What do you think, Lef? Uh, You know, voice acting <laughs> is one of those things that is just like, it's kind of become the new standard. Um, yeah, you can say that we have a history of games with no voice acting, so it's not important. But, you know, oh, as, as gaming has evolved, you know, we have you know, implemented things like voice acting so heavily into games um, and, and just storytelling in general is, is just so much different than it used to be in games. So there there is this is standard with it and, you know, even just little one-liners, like if you're playing like your Overwatch or your Heroes of the Storm games and, you know, they have their one-liners when they die, when they get a kill, you know, voice, even the small things. Are, oh, yeah. Pe- people pick up on that. So I think, I think it's one of those things that's very important. Voice clips, um, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think, I think the way gaming has evolved and you know we've we've taken more technology and i just think voice acting is just one of those things that's here to stay for the most part but um i just want to point out that my favorite voice acting of all time in all video games is rob you know what i'm talking about the singing the opera song in final fantasy 6 oh. when they when uh, they sing uh, in those seiji <laughs> <laughs> exactly put it in <laughs> So that that, <laughs> that 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 was the start of voice acting. Well, not no, not Kefka's laugh. <laughs> That's a good one too. Final Fantasy VI. It started voice acting. It started. I don't think it started voice no, acting. I know. I'm just. I'm just. There's kidding. voice acting in arcade games. So I mean. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Speaking no, of which. Saying... Wait, wait, wait. Ah, I haven't said anything. Damn. It was like, oh, you're right. It was a good. It was a good uh, segue. Sorry. Go no stagey combo breaker. Please, by all means. <laughs> what I was going to say is that because you guys are talking about kind of like the same things that I perceived P1 and P2 were talking about, which is like cutscenes and, and character development and things and stuff like that. And I think that kind of falls short for me because although it does add 
like cutscenes and story development in games um, can be crucial to the game, but most of the times it's just not implemented really well. It's just there in cutscenes and not really important to the actual game mechanics. Um, in in that sense, it's fine. Like okay, it it adds a lot of production value into your product, but from my perspective, from a more of a design oriented perspective, I feel like voice acting can be crucial to your game if it's integrated into what the game is about. For example, um, Portal without the voice acting would be a completely different experience and would affect how you actually play the game and how you perceive the story through playing the game. Um, the same with Thomas Was Alone, where if the story was just like there in text, it would be a very big difference. I, I think, right, it's still story re related, as I said, but you're sort of interacting with it in a more intimate way rather than in paused splurts, you know what I mean? It's the same with uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, right? Constant banter. I haven't played those games. Oh, really? Oh, I'm kind of shocked. I thought for sure you did. Uh, Kid Icarus Uprising, most of the story is told as you're playing the game with uh, Pitt talking to Palatina the entire time. And uh, yeah, so it's all told while you're playing. So they're kind of commenting on the, the world in the game as you're playing and uh, I think that would be noticed. That was one of the like small bullet points about the game. Uh, so that would be noticeable if it wasn't there. Yeah, so w when voice acting, I think, truly shines is when part of the game is part of what you're doing instead of part of, of a cutscene um, or just, like, sounds. So, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And sorry about the it's all good. delays. Uh, it's, all, it's all good. All right, up next, topic! Starting off this month, the themed month of gaming culture, we're going to talk about arcade culture and legends. So, arcade culture, the earliest gaming culture. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, so, uh, arcades, <laughs> for, the, for the, the, I don't think we have younger listeners, but let's pretend in a world where we have listeners Shelby's age, what's an arcade, they might ask. <laughs> arcade was like, what, a, a, a room of varying sizes, full of a varying amount of arcade machines, these are machines that were stood about seven feet tall. They had a screen on it with a with a joystick and buttons, and you would put quarters into the machine. Microtransactions, uh, the prototype for them, way back in the day, and then you would play the game until you died, or or other other or ran goal. out of yeah, quarters. Yeah, exactly. So you know, and then people would fight over who gets to play. You'd have one fucking kid who was the best at a fighting game, and he would play for like six hours on one quarter. Yeah, he, he, and he'd just face roll all of his opponents. Absolutely was not me, as uh, evidenced by my <laughs> failure at all tournaments. Um, so, I, I loved arcades. Uh, I still love arcades. I wish we had them around. I would always get my mom to let me go to one. Or she would go to Sobeys to to get groceries and right beside Sobeys in this mall was an arcade and um this it was like it was the size of like a regular arcade place like i don't know like it wasn't massive but it was still big enough that it had like maybe 30 some cabinets in it it had uh mortal Kombat, it had ninja turtles it had uh the simpsons and street fighter and those are the ones i would play the most I'm trying to think. It had ice climbers in the back. I know it had ice climbers. It had one that you would sit in. Oh, it had the Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I think it was like Shadows of Mysteria or something like that. That was a really great D&D game for arcade, which we need to look at for an episode someday. Is, is, is that the beat-em-up? Yeah, the, with the RPG elements in okay. it. Yeah, I think I know what you're It's a great about, game. Yeah. They had a pinball game, and then they had a bunch of other games I can't quite remember that were a bit older. But those were like the ones that, that popped out and kind of stayed with me most of my, my entire life, actually. And so when my mom would go grocery shopping, I mean, I was like six or seven, when she would still, I guess, I guess in that world, leaving your kid alone in a, in a dark room full of various people was, wasn't as scary as it would be now if I had a kid. <laughs> I don't think I'd let that happen. But I would go chill in there. So it made the, the, the chore of, of grocery shopping, which as a kid is not fun. I mean, not really. You usually sit in the cart or hang off the cart or try to push the cart. Really, your only source of entertainment back then as a kid was the, the cart itself. 
because <laughs> I didn't have any video games and there's no cell phones and shit. So you really just gotta play with that cart, and you can only get so much fun out of uh, out of a cart full of of food. Um, and thus, thus arcades were born. Yeah, to save children like me <laughs> uh, and parents. And the only other significant arcade that I could recall was there was an arcade at a, at a water park uh, in a city that I, I lived in when I was a kid. And the water park was cool, but you had to pay to get into the water park, but not to get into the arcade. So sometimes I would just chill at the arcade because I liked video games more anyways. And yeah, but it used like those weird coins. So you had to pay to get the coins and then play the machine. So those are, those are annoying. There was another another arcade kind of cabinet. Uh, there was a it was a it was a amusement park, an indoor amusement park that was attached to a movie theater. And just out front of the movie theater was like a row of maybe like a dozen or so arcade machines. And I would play Gauntlet. Uh, that's the only one I remember. There was other ones uh, there, but Gauntlet was the one I played the most. Red Warrior yeah, needs food badly. That will badly. be in my brain until I die. Red Warrior. <laughs> um, yeah, and then there was a couple other places like, ga- like gas stations and, and, and uh, convenience stores that had an arcade machine. Like I remember playing uh, Virtua Fighter in one of them, some weird Arabian themed game in another um and there was one other one that was like too cool for me to go into i think it was like sparkle city or some shit i don't remember what it was called <laughs> sparkle yeah city. i'm pretty sure it wasn't sparkle city i had marvel versus capcom in or, or it was marvel superheroes i can remember i was really into comics at the time and not as much in games and but i really wanted to play it because of the marvel stuff but it was always packed and it was weird and i felt uncomfortable being there so though that was the one i didn't go to that one as much so that's my arcade experiences. How about your guys and anything you might have noticed? Uh, and we'll also talk about the general shit about arcades, like how they're they're kind of seedy and weird. <laughs> um, well, well, for 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 me, it's very similar to you, Rob. You know, there, I I actually where where myself, Rob, and Shelby and Seiji formerly lived. Um, I, I've lived here my whole life, and there used to be an arcade here in the mall when I was when I was young, and you know they they I remember a lot of games like they had uh, the Simpsons, and there was other uh, Marvel vs. Capcom games and, and things of that nature, a lot of fighting games, um, and rail shooter type games uh, that they kind of had there. I, I I went only a handful of times to be quite honest, because I never really had the opportunity to go because my parents were not willing to let me go to the arcade by myself for hours at a time, nor they were willing to give me money to go play at the arcade for hours at a time. So I, I was I was only went there a few times. Um, now, where I played most of my arcade experiences, so we live on an island, and uh, there's a bridge on the island now, but when I was a kid, you used to take a ferry, um, and on the ferry, there was arcade machines, and that is normally where I played most of my arcade machines was on a boat. Um, there's still so, a couple, I think. Yeah, there, there are. There are. I know, I'm pretty sure really they still old. have a... Oh, man. Very, very old. I know I, I used to play a lot of Street Fighter 2 on the ferry. Um, that's where I, <laughs> where I first started playing Street Fighter 2. Um, so that, that's where I used to play it a lot. So um, for, for me, it was like a boat activity. Anytime oh, we would wow, go yeah. off island, I would I would get a chance to play uh, the arcades. And it was great. I had so much fun. I took a ferry once in my entire life. And the only thing I remember about that ferry is that they had Superman Libs, the arcade game. That, Death and Return to Superman. And that was it. That's the only game. They may have had other ones there. It was in a small room. I cannot remember anything else about that ferry. It was the only time I ever took a big ferry. But I had that on there and I, and I played it. So I had to, I had to mention that. No, that's, typically ferries seem to only have two to three arcade games. And it's the same ones they've had forever. So they don't typically upgrade them. Um, one thing is when I was, uh, I think about 20, 21 years old, um, I went to Montreal and I went to a, a huge arcade in Montreal. Um, and it was really, really cool. So just want to throw out that, that arcades are dying, but these mega arcades in bigger cities do, do I still think exist. They can still they can work because they're, they're like yeah, exactly. Go, hey, let's go. Play yeah, this. I'd way, go. If yeah. there's an arcade where, I, oh, where, heck we, yes. where any of us live, uh, well, I would go if I could. Absolutely. That'd be fun. I would go probably more regularly than I should. <laughs> I played Pac-Man 2, I think, on the ferry like last year or two years ago. <laughs> but, you know, playing an arcade game right now, it seems like, like playing like a ruin, like remnants of, <laughs> of some other kingdom or fallen kingdom. You know what I mean? And, it, and it's kind of like that, right? Well, we have one at work. And I it has a bunch of games on it, so I I, I still but is, is it a main cabinet? It's it's a real arcade uh, machine. I th- can't remember what. But they like modded it to. It's have modded, like, yeah. I can't yeah. remember what uh, 
I think I want to say it's an Arkanoid cabinet. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, in, it still has all the original control stuff. But the in, in the CPU or whatever is is clearly a, a emulator. But it's still, it's pretty fun to play. But it's oh, it's it's oh, a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it's it's kind of like the I played kicks on it too. Throwback oh, to yeah. an early episode. <laughs> but one thing that we have to I think be very pretty emphatic about is is the fact that when we were kids in the eighties in the early nineties. Arcade machines were so ubiquitous, right? In 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 all sorts of places. Oh yeah, they're everywhere. In culture, in movies. Remember that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the, <laughs> yes. the, the first one, the good one. The bad guys hide out. <laughs> oh yeah, watched yeah. that movie. In in one of the initial scenes, uh, all the the, the kids uh, they hang out in this big big arcade, right? <laughs> yeah. Slash skate park. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> and they're playing so nineties. And, and they're playing arcades, and it's like that. That is a snapshot of what was or what was considered to be cool in the kid's eye you know a huge place with bunch of arcades just playing games yeah again growing up in the in in those times were pretty was pretty fantastic and and it, you you can sort of understand like young adults right now if you see their like and infatuation with with gaming because you would go out and what you would I don't know if it's the same experience as you guys, but for me, every time the family went out to a place, my expectation, like the highlight of, of that family outing was that I'm going to go and play a certain machine, you know, a certain yeah, arcade. Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it was either going to a supermarket or going to the mall or going to a particular restaurant and they would have arcades. That was the expectations. It was pretty cool. You'd always ask, like, oh, can I go play the arcade? Or can I have some kind of quarters so I can go play the arcade machine? And it's good. it was good for the parents, too, though, because they can give, like, a dollar to their kid, and then the kid would be out of their fucking hair for, like, an you know, at least half hour or whatever. Well, unless they suck. If they suck, but maybe they'd have to wait their turn to play or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, As a kid, I would only ask for money to play arcades. Yeah. Like, can I have a dollar? Can, because you get a dollar, you get four quarters, and then you go and pick and play uh, four games or, or whatever. You reminded me of... <laughs> well, you reminded me of when I was a kid. Uh, I didn't have, not have a lot of money, as I've said before. So I just remember how sad it would be like to run out of quarters and hope you'd start looking around. One thing I would do all the time, and, and it would pay off, is check the slots of all the machines, yeah. and I would find a quarter. <laughs> so I would go around when I got to the arcade if I didn't have any money, because I would just go to hang out to watch the games and to, to hope I would come across some money. And then I, and I got to the habit of checking the slots, and you'd, you'd find like a dollar's worth usually, and then I could play some games for a bit. That was always nice. Yeah. For, for me, it was almost <laughs> always a contest to see, like, how many minutes of gameplay can I get out of, you know, my four quarters and, you know, how, how well am I going to do today, you know, and things like that. So, yeah. it was to me, it was a competition of, of, like, you know, oh, I played two hours on four quarters today. Yeah. yeah that's a bad, that's like that. badass. I, that, I'd that, be pretty that, proud of that. That's probably a lot never more happened. than I've ever done. So, um, <laughs> not for you. No, 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 not, not at all. <laughs> when I was really, really young, and I, I didn't have a, a really good a really good understanding of of money. Um, I'm talk, I'm saying maybe it was like four, five, six around that age. Yeah. And whenever I got to see my grandfather, he he would always try to give me money. And he'll try to give me I don't know like ten dollars or I don't get to see my grandfather every day because we live in different cities. Right. So he'll give me like a little bit of money. And I would get really bumped out because I would ask him, but I cannot use this in the in the coin exchange machine. Can I have that one dollar bills? And I would exchange, you know, a, a twenty dollar bill for a one dollar bill, and I would be super happy because I know that at, at one point I could use that one dollar bill to to use it at the coin exchange machine. Um, so when I remember when I had a graduation of something really early on, I was like six years old, I think. And my grandfather gave me like like twenty dollars, but in one dollar bills. Nice. I, I was one. That That's good foresight. Is, is one of the biggest joys I had in my life, and it was only because I knew that, that how much fun I was gonna have at the arcade. That's awesome. That's <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, some arcades had reputation for being criminal dens, uh, backdoor shenanigans, and uh, just being a negative environment. And oh, I never had any of those experiences myself. I, I guess I never hung with them long enough for that to happen to me, or maybe because they were in malls, it wasn't so bad. But there's definitely a lot of stories about, and I don't have any, but there's a lot of stories about um, just some shady shit going on in arcades. And I think there's some truth to those. 
But do you guys remember uh, Polybius? Sounds I, familiar. I listened to an episode of of the Gaming Historian about it. Well, <laughs> it was really interesting. I have evidence for uh, Polybius. So first of all, it, it was a rumored arcade machine. It was all black, unmarked, and it was re- it was supposedly uh, for government testing to see you know people's aptitudes and shit, and and there's all the kind of other stuff uh, attributed to it of it being like magical or, or, or shit like that. So, uh, it's an it alleged 1981 arcade described in 1988 Urban Legend. The original game's actual existence has never been... But the Urban Legend of the game is part of a government-run, crowd-sourced psychology, psychology experiment with gameplay producing intense, psychoactive, and addictive effects in the player. And these few public, publicly staged arcade machines were said to have been visited periodically by Men in Black for the purpose of data mining the machines and analyzing these effects. Uh, and then finally, all these machines allegedly disappeared from the arcade market. I have the best evidence. It's uh, anecdotal evidence. It all happened 27 years ago. I was on a trip to Portland. Uh, this area was known for it having unmarked machines bought in for testing, you see. And I remember rolling up on my skateboard and going and seeing the, the regular riffraff. But there were three men in black in business suits that stood out. And they seemed to be talking to each other. So I, I ignored them because I wanted to play some Ninja Turtles. My fanny pack was full of coins, coins I won at lunch from Pog matches before Pog was even cool. Uh, despite being four, five or six, I, I still looked really cool. I had thick black sunglasses on, I rocked a full denim outfit. I even had one ear pierced with a sick diamond stud. Uh, nobody was messing with me, basically. And I walked around looking for games to pwn noobs at. When I felt this weird buzzing in the back of my head, and I turned around and saw a black unmarked arcade machine that no one was near. And I saw like a, a gust of wind blow and some paper kicked up in front of it. And I was going to leave, but I, I, I thought, well, what would Egon do? Uh, Egon would have investigated it, so, so, so would I. So I walked over, coin in hand, and without thinking about it, I started playing. And the screen flashed a few different colors, and the term uh, Polybius appeared on the screen. And I remember I was sweating, and my hands trembled, and I started playing the game, and I, I can't describe what I saw. It was crazy. And everything went dark. And then I woke up later in the back of my mom's car. She said she found me at the bench in front of the arcade after she was shopping. She thought I was sleeping. But I kept muttering the words, Polybius, see all. 100% true story. Did you write that? <laughs> There's no holes in that story. Uh, that is absolutely what happened to me. <laughs> that is my story of, of okay. Polybius. It clearly proves. There, there was so much detail about the diamond earring, the <laughs> denim, Egon reference. This definitely took place I, in the I 90s. I definitely didn't so write this, it. This, I, I definitely this, did. I collected my thoughts before the episode, um, and and, uh, and um, it's happened. It's my past. Yeah, yeah. It's not a made up story. It's it's completely what happened, and I want you guys to treat that with the respect it deserves. Who knows what happened to my data that was probably taken by those three men in black? That's why um, you're so bad at video games now. I think it, I think it the absorbed first round of tournament. It, it probably yeah. absorbed it took, my, it, yeah. it took all of your good gaming abilities so. and then transferred to some sort of pro gamer nowadays. I was scared when I when I like, like I kept seeing uh, Polybius on mirrors and and uh, walls and and I would be eating breakfast and I would I would pour the uh, I was eating pancakes <laughs> and I would pour the syrup on the pancake and it would form the words Polybius. <laughs> It haunted me my my whole life. Even now, I'll, I'll look at Megan's Sounds face like sometimes, and I'll just see Polybius on, on her forehead. And I haven't told this is my I haven't told anybody this before. I'm, I'm this is my, my I'm like just tell, letting you guys in on my secret that's been haunting me, and and um, it's it's real, man. You don't don't play it, guys. I'm warning everybody out there. You get tempted. They're gone. Don't right? Google it. <laughs> don't get involved with the the Polybius culture. Because, you know, people like me, we've seen too much. The Men in Black would be out to get you. You believe me, right, Seiji? Seiji, right? Seiji? You believe in me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the whole thing about Polybus is pretty cool. I, I also watched the Gaming Historian episode. And it's, it's been in books and stuff, and uh, it's a good episode. And it's one of those one of the oldest that I know of gaming myths. And I always thought it was a fun one. Absolutely believable. As evidenced by my story. Have you heard of it before, Lef? Uh, of it before today? The the word Polybius sounds familiar. Um, so maybe maybe I have in passing, but uh, not not. Uh, I never heard of the the myth behind this this arcade machine. No, there the Gaming History episode I think mentions that uh, there was some the some of the truth uh, of that time was that some kids were of course did get sick playing games. One kid was playing for like twenty eight hours. 
on uh, I can't remember which game it was Asteroids I think it was to beat how many quarters did he have to I don't know he's trying to beat a world record so probably only one and uh, he got he had to stop because of his stomach he drank too much coke or some shit another kid sounds like a certain movie that you guys talked about the wizard recently oh (laughs) right you've never have you never seen it you've never seen the wizard no 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 he's talking about pixels uh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That they should have put the the Pol- Polybius cabin in the movie. Uh, then there was so there was these rumors of the kids that did get sick, but they were playing different documented games. And I, the video also said that there was, in truth, to there being kind of unmarked uh, arcade cabinets put in arcades, just kind of just testing different games out before they were finished, before they were finalized. But there, you know, none of them had magic effects except for the Polybius one that I played. Um, yeah, but it's pretty cool. So I, I just thought it was a fun, and I know there's other little myths, and the arcade, just the whole arcade scene was super cool. There's a lot of a lot going on to it. I really, I really like it. I just, it's a time that I don't think will ever be replicated the same way. And like, well, he, yeah, but it's even then, it's not the, quite the same. Not 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 the, not what, what we grew up with, at least. Here's here's kind of what I want to say about about the culture. So like, yeah, our arcades had these culture because it was a, a community of people that would go there, and I'm sure they were regulars. You know, I'm I'm sure that most of the people that were going to the arcades were the same people, and then you know, younger ones would come, and then they would adopt into their this arcade community that that that, that was built. Now, since games have now moved more to a home base type, you know, these communities are instead building online. So I. I think I think that the gaming the arcade gaming culture well is dead in that sense it has moved itself to online forums and communities that you'll find online so I just think that that it the the culture evolved from you know everyone meeting together to being in your home and just communicating online this culture of arcade although yes it has changed and it, and it's not the same as in the 80s not as ubiquitous uh, their decline is it's a very from my perspective, it's a more of a North American thing. Yo, without because doubt. in because in Mexico you can still find arcades, not as common as before, but there's arcades in like most malls. Oh, that's pretty cool. Like big ones, although they they change. Like I remember when you would use like actual money on arcades when you were a kid, like quarters in, in Mexico, di- different kinds of pesos, like, valid coins. Do you use pesos? pesos. Yes. Mostly, it's tokens and stuff now. You when you go yes. to the arcade, you get tokens. It, Lame. It, well, it changed to tokens. Yeah, same here. And that was like the midpoint. Now you use cards. Oh, oh, oh. cards or some sort of R R F kind of thing. Uh, because I, I haven't lived in Mexico for a while. But the last time I was there, they would use like this sort of like a keychain that you will take with you, and you'll put money in it, and you will put the, the keychain or just touch it. It's, it's RF activated. And something that is very popular in Mexico, and we might talk about it next month a lot, is um, Dance Dance Revolution and all its variants. Mm. Very, that, that is a very common game there. That's a popular one. So, yeah, because I, I grew up at the border, in, in the Mexico side of the border, and you, you, you will get, like, very different types of experiences. You'll get, like, when while in the States, I will get, like, more high-end experiences, uh, different kinds of machines and in Mexico was a, a little bit different but also very interesting because that's the first time I saw like machines that had like a bunch of different games I remember in uh in a small shop that was besides one of my aunt's house they had a machine that had a bunch of Japanese games like Japanese uh, Famicom games it was fantastic <laughs> it was so interesting um it was fantastic yeah I mean oh yes so great um uh, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that. And it's it's funny too because I actually went to kind of like – I don't want to say it's a full-on arcade that I went to a few weeks ago. It was more of like this pseudo-arcade almost. It, it kind of – it was like a little kid's place, almost like a Chuck E. Cheese. But they did have like a, an adult section where they like served alcohol and stuff. So they were trying to cater to both kids and adults and they had a token system for their, their games. Now, it, and the funny thing too is that there's types of games that are common in arcades and popular in arcades that I don't typically like. So I went there and I played a racing game where, you know, you, you sit on a motorcycle and you're like weaving around on it. And then I played a, a Jurassic Park rail shooter game. Um, both both of these types of games I don't typically enjoy, but, you know, I was excited to play them. And, you know, were they amazing games? They were okay. They were certainly worth my token um, to play the game. But honestly, what I had the most fun playing at this arcade was Pac-Man. They had a Pac-Man machine and I, I played Pac-Man for at least half hour, 45 minutes minutes so it was a lot of fun damn you don't have children 
No, I don't. But I went there. there. I went there because it was someone's 21, 21st birthday and he wanted to play laser tag. So we went to play laser tag. You like laser tag? It was okay. It was kind of weird like? being a. Th- uh well I don't know <laughs> there was there there was a lot of little kids um, but we didn't play with the little kids they they went and then we went and then there was another group of adults going so we didn't feel so weird that we weren't the only group of adults there to play laser tags so. I mean adults is kind of a, like pushing it anyways yeah a little I mean, bit a little bit not, I mean are you really an adult uh not in 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 a like traditional physical sense. you know in, in mind absolutely not and I think the most adult person on the show is either Sadie or Shelby. And I can't, I'm not entirely sure who, but uh, they're both pretty old people inside. Inside, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shelby's the youngest, but she's the oldest. She's like the oldest soul. mentally, yeah. Yeah. And she's not here right now. She's, uh, it's so her we, theme. We say we want. Her theme, her month. She's not even here to kick off BB 5.0. Yeah. Did we kind do of a justice? bad person, really? We should kick her off the show. Um, <laughs> that was a fun episode. I guess we should just stop. I guess we end on a high point. Mocking Shelby, who's not here. If Shelby was here, if she was a good person and was here, if she was in the bonus barrel culture, uh, <laughs> she would she would be here, and I wouldn't be saying any of this. Story. I would be saying, "Hey, Shelby, uh, it's great hanging out with you. You'd You're a, such a great person, Shelby. Number one, but not here, bad or sick person. Well, this has been our episode of Bonus Barrel. I, I guess no objections." All right, so Bonus Barrel uh, Twitter, SoundCloud, and CartridgeClub.org, place that I don't talk about. And uh, at that site, which we will no longer name, you can find forums where <laughs> we're at. That you That's just cool. named. That part's cool. And, uh, and other podcasts. Here. Check out your, your favorite podcasts on the, the new Cartridge Club app that you can get for $99.99. Uh, the app store it charges you uh, per use like an arcade machine it would <laughs> 25 cents per access you buy you have to buy this like add-on yeah. you plug into the bottom of your phone and it just comes <laughs> corners when, whenever, but it has to be corners whenever a podcast uploads you get charged 25 cents on the cartridge club app it's officially true and uh, I dare I defy P1 or P2 to to deny that, to, to to own up, tell the people what's going on. P1, P2. Anyways, so cartridgeclub.org, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. This is Rob. And left is H. Woo, woo, woo!